0: Injured at work in a motor vehicle accident or had a fall in a public space? Speak to Your Claim Lawyers, a no win, no fee personal injury claims law firm that specializes in maximizing compensation claims for injured people. Call 1 800 Your Claim or YourClaimLawyers.com.au. Yablin! Four goals to Ablin. Oh, just a oh, you okay. Justin Madden's got the sit, one hand. Oh. rises to the top. He is an absolute legend of the game. This is your Football Life with Rex Hunt for Tobin Brothers Funerals. Celebrating lives. Well, Matthew, we're certainly celebrating the football life of an absolute legend today. And I'm glad to say I've had a bit to do with this gentleman. And as all champions, he is an absolute gentleman. The VFL, AFL, Sandful, Waffle, every stage of Australian football in this nation... Is played by people who have worked hard to get to the highest level. Some play and move on, others have more of an impact. And then they have kids who continue that tradition. They make a lasting impression that will indelibly be recorded in the history of our game forever. And isn't that fantastic? Today's man played 416 games for Port Adelaide, which was 391 for a port. And 25 for North Melbourne here in the VFL between 1968 and 1985. He represented South Australia on 29 occasions, folks. Four times, yes, four times McGarry medalist, which is the Sandful League best and fairest record. Three times Sandville Premiership player, six-time Port Adelaide best and fairest, Port Adelaide Team of the Century Hall of Fame life member and Australian Football Hall of Fame... Inaugural inductee. He is Russell Ebert. He's on the line. And Russell Ebert, this is your footy life.
1: Oh, thanks very much, uh, Rick. That's really pumping tires up, isn't it? Pleasure to be here and always nice to talk to you.
0: Can I get straight to the point? As a kid, did you, like most kids, just hope that you might day, uh, one day you know, emulate one of your, your heroes on the, on the field? Or was it very early in your junior footy career that you planned this path? Because this record is amazing.
1: Well, it is. And uh, I've said to a number of people, I think I might have mentioned it to you, that when you uh, read that record out, uh, I think it's someone else. Because uh, as a young fella from the country, uh, all we wanted to do was... Uh, to play cricket in the, uh, the summer and footy in the winter and our heroes were uh, the Loxton Footy Club players who uh, I thought were just uh, absolute uh, stars and uh, that's about as far as our thoughts went Rex and until we we're probably about uh, 15, 16, 17 years of age.
0: And I bet you like me and a lot of other people who played the game at the highest level, and I'm not in the same breath as you, but you never forget where you come from. And I think of names like Jimmy McMahon and Bones Hollingsworth and people say, hang on a minute, they're not in the AFL Hall of Fame. I say, but they're in my Hall of Fame from the under 15s at Parkdale. And I'm sure Berry is in the Riverland, isn't it? And it's a pretty rich football area from memory.
1: Yeah, fantastic uh, footy pedigrees up there and, uh we had uh, probably a, more than a handful that actually commuted down, played league football, represented the state, and I remember my father-in-law in the 1947 Carnival, uh, he he played uh, down here for North Adelaide, but still lived in the Riverland because that's where uh, the work was, and yes. on the family farm or the family block. And uh, coming through the Loxton Football Club, they'd won six senior premierships in a row, and all the players in those teams, they were just local heroes and you could walk down the street and, poor, oh, gee, you really uh, knew these people because uh, you could uh, talk to them, you could uh, touch them, they were influencing you and you watched them get changed on a Saturday after you played junior Colts and, mm. oh, they were just uh, football gods to us in the in the country, yet they were just sort of uh, workers and, and battlers and uh, and people that you could touch and I think that's what, kept our feet on the ground once we progressed uh, with our own sport.
0: Russell Ebert has joined us, a legend of the game, and this is your football life, and it's great to talk to the star across the border in uh, South Australia. Uh, I played a lot of my footy at Richmond with Kevin Sheedy and and, and Kevin Bartlett, and Ian Stewart. Well, Bartlett and Stewart were just naturals either side of their body. Sheedy, when Monday or Wednesday wasn't compulsory, would work hard on his skills. Now, I can remember as a broadcaster, as a young broadcaster on 3RW, the year you spent at North Melbourne and you just had silky, silky uh, skills. You know, Cable was there and uh, Burns was out of the centre. Blight was there. Greg, it was a fantastic time. Were you always considered a gifted player or did you have to work on your weaknesses like everybody else?
1: No, I think, Rex, uh, you get your your natural ability. You get a lot from your parents and... uh, then it's what you add to it because you got that for nothing. Yes. And uh, I think the players that uh, really went on, yes, they got those genes and that ability from their parents, but then they added it, added their own flavour, their own um, work ethic, and uh, whether it's golf, whether it's tennis, whether it's uh, netball or soccer, footy, Uh, it's what you add to it and uh, unfortunately too many uh, people, too many athletes just rely on that natural ability. They do it easy, Mm. they're better than everyone when they're young but when the others catch up and add some hard work to it, well then sometimes the gifted uh, athlete falls by the wayside because they haven't learnt that hard work ethic and uh, we always learnt that uh, coming from the farm And uh, always having uh, odd jobs to do and chores around the place, which was compulsory on a farm. Uh, We just uh, uh, sort of learnt that work ethic right from a youngster, whether it was on the sporting field or whether it was chopping wood, uh, milking cows, cutting loose and riding bikes, bird nesting, anything. We just had a a work ethic that was built into us by our parents.
0: I spoke at a school reunion last week, a luncheon, when we all had to stand up and say our fond memories of school and disappointments and my disappointment was the amount of young men who were magnificent cricketers and footballers at 14 and 15 and had never ever gone on with it I suppose you've just said it all it's about work ethic and all league football district cricket or test cricket for that matter is is your skills are all the same but when the highest pressure comes on only the fit will survive
1: well I saw it firsthand Rex and I had the absolute honor of being asked to coach the Teal Cup Wow. Back when it was un- under-17s. And I saw so many lads uh, from Tasmania, so many from the Northern Territory, so many from Vic Metro, Vic Country, Western Australia and the other states. And I saw these lads at 17 and they were really, really good footballers. Yeah. And I, I kept a book of all the teams and every now and again I go back over it and I think, I think where are they now? Yeah. And I see the Everett, and I see the Mercury, and I see the other players come through. But they were all Australian stars at yes. seventeen, yes. and then they added that extra work ethic on top of it. Yes. So many others that was the pinnacle of their career yeah. because their natural ability or their physical size had got them a game at that level uh, because they were bigger or stronger yeah. than the than the others. And the real player added that natural ability with some hard work and other ones have had long careers in whatever
0: sport they chose. And the people who didn't make it and make excuses saying you're lucky, they just didn't work hard enough or get up early enough. It's as simple as that. Russell Ebert is our special guest here today. We'll move along and the first approach when you found yourself on the way to Port Adelaide who were the Collingwood and are the Collingwood of the VFL, the most famous club with history and tradition in the Sandfall. How did you end up at this wonderful, wonderful club?
1: Well, it's a bit of a long story and we haven't got time now, but uh, South Australia wasn't zoned. So uh, uh, clubs had people all over the state that either supported them or were a little bits of scouts or they had businesses through the Riverland area and they would come up each week and then they'd go back and report to big Bob McLean, who you would be aware of, yes. and Foss Williams. And they were there. he was the general manager and Foss was the coach. And they would report back that a couple of young fellas in the Riverland or a couple of young fellas in the southeast had shown a bit of promise. And Port Adelaide just kept in touch. They so had a chap who had a business in Mildura, which he go through the Riverland to get to. And uh, he just kept in touch Monday morning and he'd say, oh, it didn't go that well t- on the weekend, Russ." I said, nah, no, no, <laughs> yeah. had a bit of a shocker. Or they said, you did okay. We're interested. We'd like to invite you down. And another young fellow from the uh, Riverland, Bruce Light, was a cobra of mine and he was commuting. His father had a fruit block in the Wakery area and he was commuting down Tuesday to train and then we trained with the local side Thursday and then uh, play on Saturday. So I got matey with him, and he said, "Oh, why don't you give it a go?" Yeah. So North, North Adelaide came up too, and uh, and Port Adelaide. So in the end, I, I just decided that Port were the more persistent, and uh, they sort of uh, seemed really, really keen. So I and it was comfortable to come down with Bruce. We shared cars, and that's really how it uh, how it eventuated. And the North Adelaide North Adelaide chap didn't come back because. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, because other players are playing for North and so fortunate to have a little bit of a choice, but you still had to sort of do the training
0: and try and make
1: a pretty experienced side in Port Adelaide.
0: Well, you rewrote the record books uh, in South Australia, Russell Ebert. Uh, You won the first of your four McGarrys uh, in 1971 at the age of 22, the first of your six club best and fairest. But it must have been amazingly satisfying for you in 77 when amazingly, and I can't can't believe what Mitch Cleary's just uh, giving me, amazingly, Port hadn't won a flag for 12 years, which is just unheard of. It's like me growing hair. Uh, (laughs) Just tell us your memories of not only doing particularly well individually, but being thought well enough to lead your men in the charge to the first drought-breaking flag in 12 years.
1: Yeah, well, the the club, uh, my first year was 1968. As, As you've said before, we made the grand final, were far more skillful and uh, more experienced uh, at that stage. So we lost the 68 grand final. Then we uh, went, uh, got in the 71 grand final and North Adelaide with Mike Patterson, the Swamp Fox from yeah. Victoria. Yep. He coached uh, North Adelaide to the 71 and 72 premierships and we were the losers. And then in 76, Jack Odie had... Um, a brilliant team. Uh, they'd done it the hard way, come from the elimination final. We'd won everything during the year mm. and Sturt beat us in 76. So I had a real good look, uh, particularly at myself, and said, hey, uh, you, you've now played uh, in um, in four grand finals and you've lost them. Mm. Uh, th- this is just not Port Adelaide because we'd won uh, many premises before. So in 1977, we were all on a mission to uh, really rectify what was uh, an unacceptable position for Port Adelaide, and that was not winning grand finals. So 77 was just a magnificent uh, year. Everyone uh, uh, had the same dream, the same uh, endeavour, and to uh, be um, uh, honoured with being able to lift that premiership trophy in 77 was way and above uh, the highlight that I remember most.
0: This is Russell Ebert and before we take a break just the last one on that before you cross the border to play uh, with North Melbourne at Arden Street. Uh, I subscribe to the fact that you learn more from losses and setbacks and it's how you come back from those losses and setbacks and wave into the crowd every five minutes. Uh, how do you see that?
1: Oh yeah that's uh, that's for sure they say you've got to lose uh, something before you really treasure it and uh, And uh, in 77, uh, we we really had the pressure on us because you're not only playing for yourself, but your family, you're playing for the coach, you're playing for all the supporters, the members, the sponsors, and everyone rides on the result of the football game. So we were just letting everyone down and that was unacceptable at Port Adelaide. So when we did uh, win the flag, when that final siren rang, it was relief, it was excitement. But the pleasure of it was to see the faces of, uh, of the uh, past players, the supporters, <laughs> the members. Yeah. And they just absolutely thrived on, uh, on the win. And, of course, uh, to be able to give that to them was the greatest gift you could give someone in and, football terms.
0: And those memories will last a lifetime. It's fantastic to catch up with a legend of the game, Russell Ebert. And you can ch- check us out on Twitter at Rex Footy Life, whatever that means. The only that tweets around here is me canary. And this That's is your right. footy life for Tobin Brothers Funerals. Don't get worried. Uh, uh, <laughs> i tell you what, uh, Russell might have hung up there. But we can get you a discount there for your prepaid job. But Russell Ebert will be back with me, Rex Hunt, out of the break on This Is Your Footy Life. Dream rises to the top. He is an absolute legend of the game. You're listening to This Is Your Football Life with Rex Hunt for Tobin Brothers Funerals, celebrating lives. Thank you, Matthew. Very nice throwback to you, young man. You'll uh, go a long way in the radio stakes, of which I've thoroughly enjoyed, you know... uh, Uh, Nearly 50 years either playing or broadcasting, and uh, I've never enjoyed anything so much as This Is Your Footy Life. The stars that keep on coming, and this man will take his rightful place when the history of our great game is finally written in its entirety. Russell Ebert is his name, 416 games at the highest level. Okay, a star, a superstar at Port Adelaide, but North Melbourne had been after you for a while. Uh, I think you just better tell us, because eventually you said, no, it's time to go, and you crossed to to Arden Street.
1: Yeah, well, it probably started back uh, in 1973. I remember Alan Swab from Richmond and Ronnie Joseph from North Melbourne uh, came across and said, come on, uh, you've uh, played a few games here now, you've uh, you've won a couple of things, Uh, you've played state footy, it's time to test yourself uh, against the best, but... Then uh, a few things happened here at at Port Adelaide and I was given the captaincy. And Mm. so Port were pretty successful. They were playing in grand finals. We were playing state footy against the Vicks and and Tasmania and Western Australia. Played a couple of carnivals, which were just a sensational experience. So we sort of had it all. But in 1979, Ronnie Joseph came over and he said, "Uh, Russell, this is the last time I'm going to come over to uh, Adelaide and try and get you over there. (laughs) Uh, after this year you'll be too bloody old anyway and we won't be interested we want you now we've put Uh together a team with glendinning and bryant and greg and shimblebush and and uh, blight and dench and
0: and croswell
1: and oh just went on and on and on we want you to be a a part of it so uh, i uh, he said you make a list of all the things uh and all the reasons why you can't come so I had a list and he just crossed them off as Ronnie Joseph does, walking up and down the room, yeah, never sitting down. And in the end, he crossed off all those reasons. And yes. he said, right, I've crossed them all off. We'll cover all that. Uh, we want you across here. So I said, well, if I don't do it this year, I won't uh, do it. And so I really want to try uh, and play against the best with the best and uh, and test it out. So that yeah. was 79. And to go over there with, uh, with Ron Barassi and... Max Ritchie and, um, uh, and Johnny Dugdale and uh, Laurie Dwyer and Gee. Albert Mantello and. Uh, North and all, Melbourne Royalty. Yeah. Oh, Alan Aylett and yes. all the, uh, the fellas were there and they gave me the opportunity uh, each week to, uh, to play against the best and it was one of the greatest experiences that uh, I've ever had and uh, realised that, um, okay, things were good here. But to try yourself against the best is a challenge that every player should have. Yeah,
0: it's interesting, Russell Ebert, you say that because uh, I've got another thought, you know what I mean? And uh, Victoria stacked its uh, interstate sides with Western Australian, and South Australian people and then wiped the yep. floor with South Australia and West Australia. But probably the two toughest games outside uh, of the season that I played was a pre-season game for Richmond against Glenelg at the Bay when Curley was coaching them. In a pre-season game uh, against North Adelaide, when uh, you know my premiership uh, uh, partner Mike Patterson was coaching North. Uh, so, yeah. so, so, how did, was it? A subtle difference in pace or pressure, or because you fitted in pretty well, I've got to say, because I was a young cadet with 3AW sitting in the grandstand watching you.
1: Yeah, it was a fantastic experience, and uh, it was probably the first time in five, six, seven years that you. Sit on the edge of the uh, uh, seat, waiting for Barras to read out the team. And oh. I, had, I hadn't that, had that nervousness or, or that uh, for a fair while, and to be able to experience that was uh, was terrific. Uh, to be able to uh, adapt to the, the pace of the game and, and to have the best players around you, they made you a better player, and uh, and you had to really work on uh, on a bit of speed and uh, and reflexes and. That, I think, was the difference over there because the, uh, the players got to you a little bit quicker. They were a little bit more physically um, mature. and uh, So it was just a fantastic experience to be able to go over there and, and have uh, Keith Gregg on one side and uh, Wayne Schimmelbush on the other side. Hmm and look down the field and you you're getting the ball from Glenn Dinning or you or you're getting it from Dempsey and mm. and you're kicking it down to to Croswell or uh, Snake Baker or uh, Long to, bombs to uh, Snake to, to bloody. Yeah, <laughs> Long bombs to bloody. Snake
0: uh, 77 grand final magnificent up on the wall for everyone to see uh, yep. Russell Ebert is a star he's joined us Look, I can't leave. Uh, you're coming across the border without mentioning you were a fly-in player. And yeah, uh, even back yeah. then, when there was no, uh, you know, when when the Sandfall was there and VFL was here, you know, se- six games in Melbourne every week, seven, uh, six games in uh, Adelaide every week. Mm. D- did you find that difficult, or you just got used to it after a while flying in on a Thursday?
1: Well, it was, it was a matter of, uh, of that's what I could uh, uh, sort of try and arrange, Rex, because uh, I was running uh, sports businesses back here in Adelaide, had a young family. So what I did in the end, I, uh, after about three or four weeks of the season starting, I used to fly over Tuesday afternoon, train, and then get a cab out to the airport for the last flight back to Adelaide, mm-hmm. run the businesses on Wednesday and Thursday morning, Lunchtime, rush home. Diane would have the kids ready. I'd uh, rush over uh, in the plane, uh, rush to Arden Street, train, work in the sports industry often in Melbourne on a Friday, play Saturday and fly home Saturday night. (laughs) So try and do that and I wonder why I lost a bit of weight. I (laughs) emceed
0: the Tommy Hafey function last week at Richmond and Maureen Hafey was our very, very special guest and I got up and said you can just never, ever overstate the way that the girls actually played a part in, yeah. in us fellas doing our stuff, whether it was, you know, the coach's wife uh, helping a drop player's wife or, you know, or, right. or, or, or the kids were screaming or that sort of thing. And well, you mentioned... A meal you, for
1: 30, 30 players because you've invited them around exactly. because you want to team
0: meeting. They, <laughs> they play a fantastic role. And I just wanted to say Couldn't do that. Without I, them. I want to talk about John Cale, uh, fantastic left-footed player, but... Ten times premiership coach with Port Adelaide just puts him into elite company. Came across to the cowering bush at Collingwood. I didn't think he had the cattle, but uh, gee, it must have been great for you to have an association with Johnny Cale.
1: Yeah, it was one of the reasons that uh, I didn't come across to, uh, to Victoria earlier because... Uh, John took over the coaching in uh, in seventy four mm. after Foss had finished and uh, I could see that the side was young and uh, and exciting and and had a really good future and John really uh, took uh, took that on board the the um, uh, the skill the run uh, and the players that he had and uh, he molded them into uh, a side that was never below third, which is a staggering, staggering record. And you've just read out the number of uh, of premierships that he won. But even in his first year, we lost the first four games, I think. And then we won 17 in a row, ended up uh, third, third uh, grand final premiership uh, in his fourth or fifth year. So he he was just a, a person who could get the best out of players he could convince, um, as you say, good average players that they on no. a day were a superstar. And uh, being such a courageous player and, and a great player himself, you just wanted to uh, really perform uh, for exactly. him and his team. So uh, his, his record over here is only matched by, uh, by a couple. Probably yeah. uh, Foss and uh, Jack Odie would be the only ones that uh, would sort of match the record in any way, shape or form.
0: Now, before we just tidy it up and just say what a great pleasure it's uh, been to speak to Russell Ebert, a legend of the game. Now, of course, uh, your son, Brett, was a magnificent player. And your brother's boy, young Brad, he is playing magnificent footy at the Power. You must be very, very impressed.
1: Uh, Bradley idolised Brett when he was coming through. But Brett never saw uh, saw me play, which I think was a bonus because he just rolled along. And you've met Brett. He's, yeah. uh, he loves life. He, he loves fishing, he loves yeah. uh, all that. And he came in uh, at a really good time because I was virtually finished as a player. I just went on and, and coached. And he never really had that uh, oh, you compared to your uh, your father situation. And Bradley's come through and Craig and I have finished playing a lot of years ago. And mm. so Bradley's been able to come through uh, as uh, sort of his, his own entity. And Brett was was fairly similar too. So he didn't really uh, have that uh, pressure that my oldest son did yeah. uh, with uh, being, oh, not as good as this and not as good as that and yeah. and, and all that crap that oh, uh, they yeah. go on it, with. It is.
0: So yeah, exactly. Now... Um,
1: they develop their own um, their own personality, their own game and their own careers.
0: Before we let you go, I'll just get your overview of each week at the Adelaide Oval. It is just a buzz. I've been there and i tell you what... Uh, as you know, Russell, over the years, I haven't got much hair on the back of my head, but what okay. does uh, stands up. And it's uh, it was just a natural progression to come from footy park up to the home of football. And it's as important, I believe, the Adelaide Oval, Russell Ebert, to Adelaide as the MCG is to Melbourne. It is just a national competition with the greatest electricity you could ever feel.
1: Yes, yeah, so certainly it's, uh, it's now an event to go there and uh, we've gone to the MCG for years and listened to the music and the roar and the tradition and the history but we, we can go to Adelaide Oval and you can go up there or you used to go up there on a quiet day and watch Test cricket or you could go to the footy. Now you can go up there and it's an international stadium where events uh, from all over the world will come and put on their, uh, put on their shows and, uh, the Crows and the Crows and the Power, they get to do that every week in front of close to 50,000 screaming fans. Yeah. So it's, uh, they've done a magnificent job. They've retained the Northern End, they've retained the scoreboard, and they've retained the history of the Adelaide Oval, but they've brought it up uh, into to modern <laughs> times, and it's one of the best stadiums in the world.
0: Just magnificent to talk to you, and we do appreciate your time. We see each other from time to time. We... Greet warmly with a handshake and how are the kids and all that sort of stuff. And yep. uh, you've honoured me by being on This Is Your Footy Life today and uh, uh, without going over the top, you'll take your rightful place when the history of the game is written and I couldn't uh, think of a better deserving fella. And Russell, thanks for your time today.
1: Thanks very much, Rex. It's been an absolute pleasure and thanks for having us on and keep up the great work. We've got to connect the modern day with the past and you do it magnificently. Well done and thanks for having us on.
0: Russell Ebert on This Is Your Footy Life. And if you'd like to hear extended versions of the interview, check out facebook.com forward slash Tobin Brothers Funerals or follow us on Twitter at RexFootyLife. Footy Life. This has been Footy Life. That is just the creme de la creme. And that was the footy life of Russell Ebert. G'day, Mike Hussey here. Get on board Australia's best fantasy cricket game, KFC Supercoach BBL. It's fun, free and easy to play. Play today at supercoach.com.au. T's and C's apply. New South Wales authorization number TP slash 01005.